0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, the title of the message today is this. The title is A Time to Fight. A Time to Fight. And, you know, I, I've, uh, uh, there's a little backstory on a lot of what I'm talking about today, but, but really, I, my main thing is this is that as a Christian, and as you mature in the Lord, you know, a lot of people, they're just nonstop praying, you know, God, I need a miracle. God, I need this. God, come and do this. God, rain down the blessing over here. God, come and make a way right here. And we're often seeking God for a miracle, which is great. I mean, he's a miracle working God. Who knows that? That God does miracles. God answers prayer, but I need you to know that also that you have a role to play in the miracle. You have a part to do in getting the answer that you're looking for. And so there's two parts to every miracle. There's God's part, which he always does. And then there's your part. Somebody say, I've got a part. (laughs) So we preach and we believe That the battle is the Lord's. I believe that. That's what, in fact, the most epic fight recorded in the history of the world, I believe is the story of David and Goliath in First Samuel chapter 17. There's never been uh, just a more incredible fight recorded that we know about. And I know, you know, people watch UFC and boxing and all this stuff, and that's great. But I would have, man, think how much that pay-per-view would have gone for to see a 17-year-old runt take on a nine-and-a-half-foot-tall giant back then, and he only had some rocks. And it's like, I mean, what a fight for the ages. And what did David say as he approached him? He said some things, but he said, the battle is the Lord's. And so I firmly believe that no doubt about it. The battle is the Lord's, but God still required David to go out and pick up some rocks and show up with his slingshot, right? David still had to at least show up and do his part. And then God did his part. Now, what I'm saying is this, is that sometimes we've been standing in the gap, we've been believing, we've been interceding, we've been doing all these things that we say we do as Christians, and we've been trusting God for the breakthrough and the miracle. But you have got to know today that it's time for a fight, and you have to do your part too. God's going to require something out of you. And as we look throughout all the Old Testament, we constantly see this. But even in the New Testament, you see Jesus, when he was healing the sick, when he was doing miracles for people, if nothing else, he would ask them this simple question. Do you believe that I can heal you? Do you believe that I can make this happen? If nothing else, he at least made sure that they were using their faith for a miracle. Now sometimes he had further steps. He'd say, hey, go, go wash in, you know, go wash in the river or go show yourself to the priest or go do this first. Other times he had even more specific instructions, but even the people that Jesus healed, he at least required some faith out of them. And here's the deal. There's a lot of people that they need a breakthrough. They need a miracle, but they are not doing anything at all. They're just waiting on God to somehow rain it down on, from heaven on top of them. And it doesn't work that way. God will do His part. He's got the power, but He's gonna require some sort of action out of you. And James, Jesus' wonderful brother, said it this way. He said, faith without works is dead. You're going to have to add something to it. Now, does that mean we do good works to get to heaven? Stop it. That's not what that's saying. But what it is saying is that James said, you can, you can talk about your faith. I will show you my faith by my actions, by my works. And so it's one thing all day to say, I've got great faith, I've got, I'm a man of faith, I am a woman of faith, I am a daughter of faith, but it's another thing when you start to put some action to that and you say, I've got so much faith that I'm just gonna go ahead and tithe even though I just don't, I don't feel like it today. I've got so much faith, I'm gonna put some action to it and I'm gonna love that difficult person and do something for them anyway. You're putting some action to your faith And when you add that, when you do your part and God does his part, giants fall, walls fall, seas are parted, incredible things happen, but you've got to do your part. Can I get an amen today? Amen. And so we're talking today about there is a time to fight and. And you know, I guess a little bit of a backstory, okay? So bear with me. I know I'm not shouting and screaming and spitting today. I like to do that a lot of times. I'm just not going that route today. For one, I'm getting a little bit of a, I'm receiving some healing on the throat, so that's part of it. But also, I'm just, I want, I want you to listen to me today without me having to do all that. So, uh, so I had a, a, an interesting experience this week that kind of uh, brought some of this on. So uh for one I've got to talk a lot of to uh uh Reverend Ray Bench, you guys remember Reverend Ray, he's awesome. So we've just been talking a lot this week. He's been pumping some teaching into me about some stuff. But also another thing that happened was um, my mom uh a week ago she, she typed up a bunch of my dad's journal from two thousand five and uh and 2005 was a life-changing year for the samples family um and so i won't go into detail because we have you know some personal family stuff but at the same time we had hit a really low spot as a family and and in ministry in indiana and the the well had dried up and at one time what had been a thriving booming you know Thriving, successful church in a small little redneck town in Indiana. I mean, it was booming. We, we had, we had, we had a TV show out of this, out of this little town. I mean, we were broadcast all over, just a booming, thriving, successful, on fire church. And, you know, I'm not gonna go into all of it, but it dried up, okay? And so, um and if you've ever been through something like that, where you had something that at once was thriving, and then now it's not especially something that you've poured your heart and soul into, your blood, sweat, and tears, and everything you have. You know, it's a painful experience to go through, right? And so, anyway, my uh, my mom had typed up some of Dad's journal from that time and and gave it to me, and and I hadn't really had time to read it. Then on Thursday, I'm in the office, and and uh, you know, I'm just I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read this, and I'm like, wow. Sometimes you you don't realize what you've been through. You know what I mean? Like uh, at at the time you do, but, but some of us have forgotten what God brought us through because you've slept since then. It's been a little while and I don't ever want to forget what God has brought us through. And, um, and as I'm, as I'm reading this journal, I mean, you know, I'll just, I'll admit it. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a man that cries very much. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with a guy that, that gets emotional and cries. We're just all different. But I, maybe I shed a tear every few years. I, I've noticed about every three to five years, I get a little misty. and This was one of those occasions where I was just like, oh my gosh. And so I'm crying. I'm like the pain. I, I started to feel some of that pain again. It was painful to go through that. To, I mean, you know, we had hit just really what I feel like was rock bottom. And as Brother Hagen talks about, you know, we weren't just at the bottom of the barrel, we were underneath the barrel and the barrel was on top of us. It was, it was rough. And so this, the, what I was reading had been recorded in the earliest months of 2005. And uh, as I read it, I, I read how my dad fought through this really bad position we were in and and little did we know that by the end of 2005 Katie and I you know we would move to Tulsa Oklahoma and be at Rhema Bible College studying right under the Hagan ministry which was just an awesome experience two years of being uh, you know under uh, Kenneth Hagan's ministry it was it was great but then also by the end of that year by August of that year my parents uh, would move to a little town called Barstow, California, which none of us, I never even knew about it. I had no idea. And so as I was reading all this, you know, uh, I, I i decided, you know, I'm going to walk over to the sanctuary I and I'm just looking around this magnificent place. And, you know, it may not seem like much to you, but to us, it's a real big deal because we came from a pretty bad spot, you know, a while back. And as I look around here, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for What God, God did a miracle. God restored everything several times over. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, this church has 13 acres. We own, I think, four buildings. We, we got hundreds of people that are coming here. People watching on the internet. And, and, and I look out and none of this would have happened if we had quit, specifically my mom and dad, if they had quit when the battle got really, really difficult. Because you've always, that is always an option. It's not gonna necessarily send you to hell. You do reserve the right to quit on that bad situation, on that, on that marriage, on that ministry, on that job, on that whatever it is. You, that is always one of the options that you have. Now, it could really, 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 uh, screw your future up, potentially. And not only that, if my parents had quit in 2005 and said, we're just, ministry's over, it ain't happening. Well, none of this would be happening right now. You wouldn't be sitting here. I certainly wouldn't be in here right now. And so your decisions, your choice on whether you're going to fight the good fight of faith, it not only affects you as a mature adult Christian, it affects a lot of people. There is a ripple effect to everything that you do, whether you realize it or not. And so we're talking about a time to fight. There's two sides to every miracle. There's God's side, which we know he's going to deliver on, but then there's your side. I don't always know what your side is, but you have a part to play in it. All right. And so with all that being said, (laughs) I'll tell you this, I know what it's like to be in a bad spot. And that's one thing that gets me is it's funny. It doesn't offend me, but a lot of times people look, you know, people straight up just tell me like, man, just must be so perfect being you and your family, Pastor Dave, you guys have had it so easy. you've had it so good, and I'm like, God has always been good, but life has not always been easy. <laughs> you know we have faced extreme poverty at times and and you know people are like well i don't i you just you're, you you just must be so good being you and and I like being me, not because I'm cool, but I just I've learned about Jesus and I've learned to trust him. And whether anybody else loves me or not, I know that Jesus loves me. And so I love my life. And I'm not going to lie. I've got a wonderful life and it has not a whole lot. I mean, I've done my part in the name of Jesus, but God's done his part. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I have learned to listen to the Lord. And Follow Jesus everywhere he says to go and yes, it's paid off. I don't make the most money in Barstow I don't have the biggest house. I don't have the fanciest cars and toys and all that But I serve a really good God. I've got a wonderful wife I've got a great wife. I've got wonderful kids, you know, and and you know, we 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 face things like everybody does but God's I'm not gonna lie and God has been really good to us, but there's been fights To get there. And the devil has tried to steal our family, our ministry, my marriage, my children, my, you know, health, all sorts of things. There's been fights, but we have fought the good fight of faith and, and won time and time again. Not because we're great, but because Jesus is great. And again, I don't have a lot of strength in me, but I do know this much. Just listen and do what God says to do. And then it turns out really, really good. Amen. And so, there's a time to fight. Uh, so, I know what it's like to be in a bad spot, but I also know what it's like to fight your way out of that bad spot, spiritually speaking. And I'm so confident in the Bible that I will guarantee victory to every single person in here that will do things God's way. Guarantee it. If you'll do things God's way, guarantee a victory every single time. Every time. No, no doubt about it. Every single time. If we'll do it his way. Amen. So, let's pray. Then we're going to... Dig into the Word of God today, amen, and we're going to speak some things over your life that you need, amen. Let's raise our hands as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, so much for your Word. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever, and I know you want to speak to us today. I pray that we would have open and receptive hearts. You would show us what we need to see, tell us what we need to hear, and Lord, if we're wrong, let us shoot our pride and say, you know what? I'm wrong. Help us change, God. Let's not let pride keep us out of the promised land. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and we trust you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? All right, all right. So we're talking about four things today about how you need to learn to fight the battle, okay? So number one is this. You need to know your goal. Know your goal, And there's a lot of people, there's probably a lot of people sitting here today that if they were to be honest, they have no goals in life. Don't raise your hand if that's you. (laughs) But there's a lot of people that have no goals. And I'm going to tell you, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. I mean, you're just like, if anything good happens to you, you're like, oh. It's always a surprise, and, 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 uh, you know, on on one hand, if you have no goals, anything good that happens is just an unexpected blessing, and like, oh, wow, look, I found a $2 bill. That's, you know, wow, this is, what a day, and listen, that's cool, but but you need to have some goals. You'll never know if you're winning in life if you've never set any goals, and I'm not, you know this can be natural stuff. It can be spiritual stuff. And I'm not, this is not a motivational speech. This is not some, you know, psychology. I'm just being honest. You need to have some goals in life and some things that you're believing God for. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus because he's down there beside the road. He's yelling and screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's like, man, shut up. We can't even hear what Jesus and 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 Bartimaeus is just shouting, Jesus, son of David. And so it's very obvious that the man is blind. And so Jesus stops everything and comes up to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And so we know, who knows, Jesus had the power to heal the blind right there. I mean, he had it. So the, a miracle was getting ready to take place, but Jesus was going to have Bartimaeus at least do his part, too, and identify what his goal was. And so what, what's your goal out of this, Bartimaeus? What is it that you actually want to happen here? And he could have said all sorts of things, right? He could have said, you know, I want a better spot beside the road to beg. All the other guys get the best spots by the time I get here every morning. Uh, or he could have said, I want a bigger cup to collect change in. He could have said anything. But Jesus wanted to know, what's your goal? Bartimaeus, what is it that you actually are believing God for, Bartimaeus? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see. And so Jesus, he wants to do big things in your life, but what is it you're believing God for? Well, oh, nothing in particular. I don't know. That's exactly what you'll get. Nothing in particular. You need to be releasing your faith and stretching your faith for something you need to have some goals, if you, because you know you're in a fight, right? There's an enemy, and and there, it's a real thing. But if you're just wandering around aimlessly through life, you don't even know what side is up. You don't even know what day it is. Listen, that is not a successful Christian. That's not a successful life. You need to get some goals. When God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel, the promise and the goal was the promised land. He didn't just have Moses go in and let my people go. And then, okay, well, they can go. And, I mean, you know the full story. Ten plagues later, they finally make it out and and all this stuff. But but check it out. God had a goal in mind for their deliverance. He didn't just want them to leave Egypt and then, okay, off you go. Just wander around and go make something of yourselves. God had a goal. It was a place That we refer to as the promised land, and that day it was known as Canaan, because that's where the Canaanites lived. In 2021, we know that place as Israel, the exact same plot of land that has always belonged to the Jewish people. But, I want to show you something here in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. So as you are winning the fight in life, as you are winning the battle, you need some goals. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I'm just saying, you're not going to be a very successful person. So Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Amen. Who's having a good time today? Amen. I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. It is the best place that we could be on a Sunday morning. And it feels a lot cooler than my house does right now. So I'm okay with this. (laughs) Woo! I love swamp coolers, but come on, sometimes they can only go so far. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. And so here we have Moses. This is during the burning bush experience. God is appearing to him. God is talking to him and giving him instructions. But look at this. He says, so I have come down to rescue them, meaning the children of Israel, from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt and just let them go on their own from there. No, it doesn't say that. And lead them into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. There was parasites there too, I read about, but they're you know, they took care of that, right? So anyway, but praise God. So God had a specific place for them to go. Do you notice that? They didn't just leave Egypt. There was a goal in mind. And I believe that God has a promised land for every Christian. I'm not just referring to a geographical location, but I'm referring to being in the perfect will of God. And as we'll see, that even in the perfect will of God, there's still battles to face and giants to fight. There will never be a point in time on this earth where there's not an enemy, you will always have an enemy. You will have battles to fight. You'll have weapons formed against you, but we claim they won't prosper, right? And so until we get to heaven, we live in this real world. Now, thank God that I don't have to be overcome by this world. Amen. I mean, so you go to some places, they'll preach to you. Hey, until we get to heaven, there will always be a fight. Period. That's it. There's always going to and I'm not saying that there's just always going to be a fight. I'm going to say that there's always going to be fights down here. But thank God you can always win those fights through Christ Jesus. Amen. I believe that. And I believe that that even though there's a battle, the battle is the Lord's. And if I show up and God shows up, we win and we take the giant down. So number one, know your goal. Number two, know your role. Know your role. And shut your mouth. No. <laughs> Some of you got that. A few of you got that. My wrestling friends are out of town today. Lawrence, you got that. All right. Thank you. All right. So n- number one, know your goal. Number two, know your role. And something that Ray Bench, I was listening to him, Reverend Ray, uh, he said this. There's a side to every miracle that the man has to provide because God doesn't. The man has to fortify the will to stay where God put him. The man has to show up every day for prayer. God doesn't do that for you. Do you see this, that in every situation, you have a role to play. God's not going to just get you out of bed every day. I've got to do that, right? And you know me, I'm a firm believer and waking your behind up early and getting out there and praying and seeking God for your day. Smith Wigglesworth, okay, famous preacher way back in the day, this is back when they had milkmen and stuff like that. He said, if I wake up and I hear the milkman already out making his deliveries, I get out of bed and I repent, for he's more fervent about serving his God than I am about serving my God. Wow. You know, if I, so there's been a few mornings, I, I hear the trash truck out there picking up trash before I get up. I'm like, oh God, no, (laughs) listen, why? Because it's serious business, man. God's not going to get you out of bed every day, put a Bible in your hands, put a cup of coffee in your other hand, and say, here you go, my child, now you can seek me. Amen. No, you're going to have to do some seeking on your end. You're going to have to get serious about it on your end. And I get real tired of just, you know, and I don't do it so much anymore, but just people that they want to be used by God one day, then the next week they don't even want to go to church. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I can't shake you and make you want to serve God. Just do it or don't, right? Get in or get out. But, but that's between you and God. But you're going to have to take some responsibility for your own life. And you're going to have to take some responsibility for your own breakthrough. You will have some sort of role to play in securing the victory for your life. Amen? You're going to have some sort of a role to play in it. Jesus will always provide the power and always do his part every single time. But he's going to ask something out of you, too. Amen. Noah had to build the ark. God didn't just straight up build it for him. I mean, God made the animals come. He didn't have to go and and round them up. God caused the, the flood to come. God did all that stuff. But Noah had to go build that dang thing. Abraham had to believe against all odds. I mean, you're like, well, all Abraham had to do was believe. You know how hard it probably is to believe to have children when you're 100 years old and your wife is 90 and you've never been able to have kids? That was some hardcore faith that God required of Abraham. Moses had to face Pharaoh face to face. He had to hold his staff out against the Red Sea. David had to show up with some rocks in his sling. They had to do their part. Now, you're going to have a specific role to play. I can tell you some of the things that are your part to play in receiving your miracle and winning the breakthrough. Uh, for one, you're going to have to read your Bible every day. God's not going to read it for you. Thank you. He wrote it. He did his part. He wrote it for you. He preserved it through thousands of years of people trying to burn it and erase it and get rid of it. God delivered the Bible to you. You're going to have to read it for yourself. Amen. Uh, uh, uh you're going to have to pray for yourself. God's not going to do the praying part for you, too. He'll answer the prayers, but you're going to have to make the request known to God. You're going to have to do the praying. Uh How about this? You're going to have to go to church for yourself. God's, not, God's here. Amen. God comes to church. God's here. He believes in church, but he's not going to go there for you. You're going to have to do it yourself. These are just basic elementary Christian things, but they're things that that you have to do if you're going to start winning some battles. And so I'm going to say this. Quit looking for someone else to do their part and your part too. I'm going to say that one more time because I think that's a heavy one. Listen, quit looking for someone else to do their part and your part too. That's called being lazy. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But I come on, listen. I feel that. I feel that. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, that's called being lazy. There's a lot of people in the world today that want you to go to work so they can get a free paycheck too, right? And I don't, I'm not afraid of talking about that, but, but, you know, there's a lot of people that they're relying on you to go to Fort Irwin every day and bust your behind in the 120 degree sun because they need a free paycheck. They want you to do your part and their part. They want you to do your job And their job, too. Amen? And so, as sad as that is to say, there's a lot of people spiritually that are lazy, too. Now, you have every right to come into church, every service, and expect that whoever's preaching that day has been spending time in prayer and in study and in the Word. We've been praying over your life. We've been standing in the gap. We've been trying our best to do our part as the pastor and as the preacher. You have every right to expect that of us but also the preacher has every right to expect that you actually go out and do what you just said amen to don't be lazy and just think that oh we'll just go have pastor and mrs pastor and uh, pastor dave and katie what is you know i'm in a bad spot i know that they've got faith i'll just i'll just go in and, and expect them to pray the devil off of me listen we'll do the best that we can every time we can and we love you but there comes a point in time where You need to start reading the Bible for yourself. Quit just relying on the fact that one of us is reading the Bible. You need to start doing some praying also and quit piggybacking off of everybody else's faith. You've got to grow and you've got to do your part too. Don't make somebody else do their job and your job too. You're going to have to step up to the plate and start doing some stuff. All right. Let's look at Joshua chapter 3. Amen. Pray you're being encouraged today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 3. So in the story of the Israelites, we've talked about Moses a little bit. Now, you fast forward about 40 years from some of the stuff that we were looking at. And Moses, he died before they made it into the promised land uh, due to something. You know, he disobeyed God on something, so he didn't get to go in. And Joshua has taken over. And Joshua is going to lead the people into the promised land. And so you would think, okay. They've made it 40 years through the desert, 40 years through the wilderness. God's probably going to deliver them in an air-conditioned limousine right there to the door of the promised land. They're going to roll out the red carpet, and these guys get to go on in. Even after all of that, even after God led them there, there was still some giants and some enemies that had to be defeated. And listen to me. God will straight up lead you where you need to go, the steps of a good man, are ordered by the Lord. God will lead you to the places you need to go if you'll listen, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have to still kill some giants in the meantime. And so they get there, and uh, they get to Canaan land, and there's different cities in there, and it's beautifully set up, man. God had it all planned out. That Canaan was uh, Israel today. Canaan was a beautiful land. There was there was wells already dug. There was houses already built. There was fields already planted. They didn't have to go in and dig wells. They didn't have to go in and and plant new crops and cultivate the soil. They just had to go in and clear the people out. And so if you read the book of Joshua, they go from one town to the next, starting with Jericho and just wiping these people out and taking over the land that God gave to them. And another great thing was All these towns, they, they were, they were walled cities, and, and it's kind of interesting that God took them to the land of Canaan, because a lot of, uh, countries back then, they had different towns, but they were all allies together. The land of Canaan, none of these, none of these people groups, none of these towns were allies with each other. They all hated each other. And so, the people of Israel knew, okay, we'll go in and take over Jericho, but we know that the, 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 the Jebusites, they're not going to come in and help their neighbors fight. So we'll just wipe Jericho out. Then we'll go take out the Jebusites and the Hittites. They hate them already. They're not going to come have their back. And so they went from one town to the next just cleaning house, wiping people out and taking over the land. And none of these people got along with each other anyway. They had no allies. It was beautiful God set this whole thing up, but there was still a fight that had to take place. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. So they get there. They get there, and they're at the famous Jordan River. And uh, and so there's a river to cross. And it's a big deal when you've got a couple million people, and you've got to cross a body of water. So Joshua chapter 3, and I love what the Lord says to Joshua here, verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves he didn't say come here everybody let me purify you let me let me make sure you're right with god everybody no he said every single one of you purify yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do great wonders among you god was fixing to do a miracle the very next day but their role to play was to purify themselves and sanctify themselves, I believe the King James says, before the miracle took place. They had to do this. And so what does that mean to us? You need to purify yourselves today. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to, you need to ask forgiveness, do it. You need to pray, do it. Purify yourselves. Get yourself ready for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. God is wanting to do big things in your life. But you have a role to play. Now look at verses 15 and 16. Here's the crossing of the... Here's a miracle. This is an incredible miracle. Joshua 3, verse 15. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. And so we're not talking about just some little tiny stream or creek here. The river was raging. It was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the river bed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. God stopped the waters. Of The Jordan River and all these people, God made them go through the Red Sea 40 years earlier. And here they are now crossing the Jordan River on dry ground during the most uh, raging part of the year for the river. God brought them through. But what did they have to do first? They had to purify themselves. They had to get ready. They had a role to play. And in your battle, in your miracle, you'll have a role to play. You need to find out what it is. Know your goal. Know your role. Number three, know your enemy. Know your enemy. You have an enemy whether you know it or not. And it's not a person. When I say know your enemy, some of you are like, oh, I know who she is. I work with her. I live with her. I'm married to the jerk. I know my enemy. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. No, stop it. People are not the enemy. And that's why so many people and so many Christians are losing in life. They're fighting the wrong enemy. Amen? Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. It says against principalities and powers of the unseen world. But I want to show you something here. 1 Peter chapter five. Can we look at first Peter five? You still with me today? Amen. All right. Hey, come back next week. We'll be yelling and screaming and spitting and shouting and running, I promise. <laughs> we'll be more more loud and rowdy next week. But I want you to I want you to see some things today that I believe that the Lord wants you to see because it takes more than just wanting a breakthrough. You're going to have to do your part. 1 Peter 5, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, and it tells us a little bit something here about you have an enemy. Verse 8, stay alert. I mean, we could just stop and preach on that for a while. Stay alert, because there's a lot of Christians that... There's a battle going on around them and they're oblivious. I want to you know slap them in the face. Look alive. Come on. Wake up. Stay alert. There's things going on right now. And if you are just sleeping, if you're just you don't know what's going on, no wonder you're not winning any victories. A big part of winning the battle is you at least need to be awake during the battle. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, your husband. Your boss, the president, he's your enemy. No, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. I love this. And be strong in your faith. Remember, your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering, the same testings that, that you are. But listen, stand firm. Be strong in your faith. You need to know that there is an enemy out there. And this verse clearly spells out who the enemy is. Does it say, hey, look out, there's a great enemy, the devil. Run, 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 I say. No, stand your ground, stand firm, and be strong in your faith. As I was, I told you about reading some of these journal passages from my my dad. And, And when we were in that bad spot, it's undeniable that the devil had certainly worked through some people to bring harm to our life. And sometimes the devil can use people to bring harm into your life, right? I mean, that's and if you're an immature Christian, you'll just get mad at the person and want to seek revenge on them. And one thing that I always try to remind people is, revenge is not something that we practice on our planet, right? To quote Buzz from Toy Story 1. But listen, (laughs) revenge is not something that we do in the heavenly kingdom. I don't seek revenge on anybody. I do, I am aware that, especially people that are not Christians and even people that profess to be Christians, but they're not submitted to God. The devil can work through them to bring harm into your life. They'll, they'll just run their mouth. They'll say things, they'll do things. The darkness in them does not like the light that is in you. But I am mature enough now to realize that I don't hate that person I attack the devil that's working through that person. I bind the devil from working through them in the name of Jesus. And so as I'm reading this, you know, this, uh, this journal, uh, it surprised me that there was no mention made of even the people that had really done some things to drive some spears and some uh, stab us in the back and do some things to us. And all that my dad wrote about in this was, going after the devil, attacking the devil, and winning this thing spiritually. And if you're going to win your battle, you've got to know who the enemy is. If you're over here just firing shots in that direction because you heard noise over there, the devil's right back over here just stabbing you and throwing things, and you're not even looking in the right direction. A mature Christian realizes, oh, that's just a bunch of noise. I'm going to the source of it right here. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You have no authority anymore to work in this situation. When I worked at FedEx when I was, not, uh, I guess, 18, I, I pr- proposed to Katie. She was still in high school. I had graduated. I proposed to her in February of 2004, okay? So I had already graduated. We were both 18 but I got this job working at FedEx in Indianapolis. And I was a young guy, you know, obviously a young squirt. And I was very, I have just always, I don't go out with a megaphone and, you know, scream the gospel in your face. But if you're a Christian, people are going to pick up on that fact, right? Even if you're not out there screaming the gospel in their face. And so I just challenge you. It should not come as a shock to your coworkers when they find out that you're a Christian. Oh, you? Really? You? Wow, I never knew it. They should, they should know it whether you've ever mentioned it or not. And so, if people don't know you're a Christian, I don't know what else to say, but shame on you. They should know that you belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. Because you know about their favorite sports team because they talk about it. You know about their favorite wrestler or fighter or their favorite car because they talk about it and people ought to know that you're a Christian because you should talk about what you love. And so anyway I, I, I'm I working at FedEx and there's this one guy that for you know I've never been rude to anybody or you know thrown my stuff in people's face but this guy, the devil worked through him, man. He just nonstop harassed me every day, made fun of me for my beliefs. And, oh, uh, let me guess what David's doing tonight, uh, going to a prayer meeting. Yes, actually. Do you want to join me? And, and just nonstop every day. And he thought well, his biggest joke, his biggest thing he thought was hilarious was, I'm 18 I'm going to get married, and I've never lived with this girl in my life. We've never been intimate together. And he just told everybody at FedEx about what a fool I am, that I'm going to marry a girl I've never even been with. And and uh, how we've never – he thought that was the biggest joke. And it started to really bother me. I'm like, shut up, man. And so every day, going to work, you know, I'm like, oh, I know he's, he's going to start in as soon as I get there. I can't stand this guy, man. I, I can't stand this guy. And then he'd come in, and he had come, and he—he he wasn't a church goer, but he's like, you know, I'm a member of the Roman Catholic Church, is what he would tell me. I'm not putting on Catholics. This is just what this guy did. You know, we're the oldest church in the world, so i put that in your pipe and smoke it. What do you think about that? Like, what is that? Shut up! And so every day, just nonstop in front of everybody. And finally, it dawned on me one day, John's not my problem. John's not my enemy. But he is obviously so unsubmitted to God that the devil can just work right through him to try to mess up my day every day. And so I started on my way into work. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus from speaking through that man anymore. I claim right now victory that not only is he going to stop talking all that mess, but me and him are going to become friends in the name of Jesus. And I did this for, I don't know, I don't know how long, maybe a week or two. And I promised you, the Lord is my witness. There was a light switch turned on. It changed instantly. This man no longer ever again made fun of me, gave me a hard time. In fact, he stood up for me. And we became very good friends by the time that I left there and moved on to uh, on to the next place. And I realized, though, if I was still sitting there the whole time, man, I can't stand this guy. What a punk! Who does he? If I had fought against him, it never would have changed. But I fought through the devil that was working through him, and it changed. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. So, number one, know your goal. Number two, know your role. Number three, know your enemy. Number four, know your God. You better know your God. Oh, man, I know, I know, I know. that. You better know, because a lot of people say that. And then Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whenever you're squeezed, we find out what was really in the sponge that whole time, Right? And in your life, just like, you know, you could have a sponge there and, and you just clean up a bunch of Kool-Aid or something like that, and you don't even know what's in it. You squeeze it. Oh, that's what's in there. As a person, as a Christian, when the pressure comes and squeezes you, whatever starts coming out of your mouth, that's what was really in there. When things get tough, if Oh, my gosh, in the name of Jesus, I declare victory right now. I say that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. If the word starts coming out, we know the word was in there. If the pressure comes and I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, my gosh, this is I've never seen trouble like this. Nobody knows this is a bad spot. If that's what comes out when you're squeezed, that's what was in there the whole time. And so I'm telling you today. Don't just say, amen, I know God can do anything. Listen, you need to know your God and be confident in him. Let's look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118. It's key going into any battle to know who's on your side and know who's against you. So Psalm 118. I'm going to read this in the English Standard Version, the ESV. Well, usually, uh, maybe the first time I've used this translation in a sermon, but it puts it really well. Psalm 118, verses 6 through 7. And so it says this to us The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Amen? And so step one, hey, you better know, the Lord is on your side. If you don't even have that revelation yet, you're not going to win. That's like step number one. You better know that God is on your side. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You don't got to be afraid of people anymore when you know that God is on your side. Verse 7. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. And so I love the confidence. I love the attitude the psalmist has in this right here. He's like, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. I love what Paul said. You can write this down, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the New Testament version of this. If God is for us, who cares who's against us? We're going to win. But you need To get this revelation in your heart, you need to know your God. And someone may say, well, hey, I know it. I I know my God. I know that God's on my side. But you don't know the trouble that I'm facing right now. And I'm going to tell you, okay, you may be facing trouble, but you must not know my God. Because if you knew, if you only knew, you would have a whole different attitude and outlook. You would be like the psalmist right there said, I'm gonna look and triumph on those who hate me. God is on my side. The Lord is on my side. And so, when you truly have the revelation that God's on your side, you approach every battle and situation from a place of advantage. Listen, when you know, when you know this, you will always see yourself as having the upper hand. Always. I never see myself as being underprivileged or man, I just, I'm coming into this thing really with uh, this other, the, the enemy has the upper hand on this, the other side. When you know that God is on your side, you face every situation as I've got the upper hand. I've got the upper hand. Why? Because God is on my side. And so people these days, they always talk about you know, privilege and all that baloney and stuff. But I can tell you who's really privileged. Anybody that's a child of God. You're privileged. Well, we didn't grow up with much money. We, We didn't either. But guess what? Yes, we had privilege. We knew who we belonged to. We knew that God was on our side. We knew that we always overcome every situation. Well, yeah, but we grew up over here and we didn't have this. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what you look like. If you're a child of God, you are privileged beyond any belief. You are privileged beyond anything that you can even comprehend or understand you've got the upper hand you have every advantage and every opportunity that you'll ever need if you're a child of God don't complain anymore about well we just never got anything handed to us we just never you are a child of God you've got the keys to the kingdom you have a covenant with the almighty you've got every advantage and privilege that you'll ever need you just need to know what your role is in it, and you need to know your God. One last verse today: First John four four. First John four four, and uh, you you should know this verse already. But but if you don't know it, write it down. You need to know First John four four. This is a wonderful New Testament verse for the Christian. Amen. Are you still glad you came to church today? First John four four. And so we're talking about how you can win in battle and you have a role to play in your victory. Jesus has all the power. You're not responsible for providing the power. You're responsible for showing up and providing some faith and some trust and some obedience. That's your responsibility. God's got the power. First John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children. Who are you of? Who are you of you're of God act like it little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. When you get the revelation, it changes your mentality. You have what I call the greater mentality. You always approach, you don't walk into a room with your head hanging low and, I don't belong in here, all these people, they, you know, they, they're, they're better than I am there. And listen, I'm not saying as, we, me, you, we are not greater than anybody or situation in this world, but greater is He who is in me and you, than any situation, than any devil, than any curse that is in this world. I'm confident that we can win any fight, that we can win any battle, because I know the goal. I know my role. I know who the enemy is. I'm not stupid enough to think it's some person, and I know who my God is and I know that he's on the inside of me and he's greater than any situation or circumstance that I will ever face and so to sum it all up today I am just trying to get this point to you that there will be victory in your life there will be God wants to do miracles God wants to do wonderful things. But you're going to have to step up and handle your part of it, too. There's the basic Christian things like praying, reading your Bible, going to church, the basics. But then God's going to have some specific things to your life, too, that he's going to tell you to do. And you're going to have to be responsible for doing those things. I can't do it for you. God's not going to do his part plus your part, too. That's laziness on our end. You're going to have to step up and do your part, too. And when we do... Big things happen. Miracles happen. The supernatural happens. Giants fall. And God gets the glory. Can we get an amen today? All right. Let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.